Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Keeping Them Safe. My name is Sharon Doty, and I'm here to empower you to be part of the effort to shift the paradigm for child sexual abuse prevention and create safe environments for children. Thanks again for joining us in this effort. You know, the fact is nobody ever really wants to talk about child sexual abuse. We'd rather not think about it at all. And if we do, most of us are convinced that it could never happen to us. It could never happen to our children. I mean, after all, we're good parents. We're good grandparents. We have our eyes on our kids. It might very well be the case, and I'm sure that it is, that you're good parents, good grandparents, doting, loving aunts and uncles, and responsible adults, and you're doing everything you know to do to protect your children from sexual predators. I don't doubt that for a second. However, about 25 years ago, when I started focusing on how we could educate and train adults to prevent child sexual abuse and give them what they need to know to create an environment where no sexual abuse can occur, I discovered that there are things we don't know that we don't know that put our children at risk and that knowing those things and what to do with that knowledge can actually empower us to create a safe environment for children. So this podcast, it's about those things, first and foremost. That's what we want to begin to explore in these conversations. We want to learn how to recognize potentially risky adults in the environment, and then know how to effectively, efficiently, and very simply interrupt those behaviors. Because interrupting those behaviors stops the potential or possible grooming process. And when that gets stopped, no child gets molested. We have to be the ones who create an environment where no child sexual abuse can happen. So at Keeping Them Safe, that's our mission. To give you everything you need to have to stop abuse before it happens and to leave you knowing that you, yeah, that person in your chair, in your skin, you can make the difference and create safe environments for all our children. In our last session, we talked about the first of those potentially risky behaviors being when an adult always wants to be alone with children. Remember, we're not saying adults should never be alone with children or that there are not times when that's appropriate. We're saying pay attention to, notice, and interrupt the one adult who always wants to be alone with children or a particular child or children. The adult who organizes their interactions and time with children to ensure that no one else is around. That's the one 
that raises our concerns. That's the one we should take note of. And that's the one we should take action with to interrupt the behavior. And as we said last week, interrupting that behavior can take many forms. And again, not accusatory forms, but forms that invite the interruption of a potentially risky behavior. See, when you see that happening, it's up to you to intervene. Children are counting on you to protect them. Years ago, um, Priest uh, was sharing with me that the reason he was such an advocate for the child sexual abuse prevention program being implemented in his uh, parish was that earlier when he was a young associate priest, a 15-year-old girl had come to him and told him that her father, who was a prominent member of the parish and a prominent member of the community, was molesting her. She begged the priest not to tell. She told him repeatedly in the confessional, in private conversations, she told him over and over. And he honored her request not to tell. And a few years later, when she was attending her father's funeral as an adult, she shared with him how angry she had been over the years with him. And when he asked her why was she angry with him, she said, because you never told anyone. You never protected me. You never took any action. And his response to her was, but you asked me not to. She said, I was a child. What did I know? I was counting on you to act in my best interest, not to simply take the word of a child and not repeat what I'd said. Children are counting on you to protect them. So let's look at the second of these potentially risky behaviors that are part of the grooming process. You see, another one of them is allowing children to do things their parents wouldn't allow. Now, often when I talk about this to a group of parents and I ask them when I say that, what kinds of things am I talking about? Almost always they say dramatic things like drugs and smoking and drinking alcohol and yeah, that's some of the things that predators uh, encourage at some point in their grooming of a child at a certain age. But predators are way more subtle and way more sophisticated and effective in this effort than you think they are. For example, maybe you don't let your kids get online unsupervised or play certain versions of online games. A predator will let them do that and make you the bad guy in the process. Maybe you only allow certain kinds of after-school snacks or you don't let your children drink soda. A potential predator will have all sorts of treats available and lots of good reasons why what they want is what they should have. And after all, they're at someone else's house and nobody has to know. 
This shows up in a variety of ways, and it can be very, very impactful in the whole process of creating safe environments. You know, several years ago, a friend of mine attended a session of our Keeping Them Safe program. The next day, she and her six-year-old grandson were on a date at the pizza place. He expected Grandma to let him have a soda because she always did, and it was their secret because Mom and Dad didn't allow sodas. Well, (laughs) now Grandma saw a risk. She saw the risk in just giving in to that request and told him they would need to call Mom and ask her first. He was very surprised, she said, but she dialed her daughter-in-law and put it on speakerphone and told her what they wanted to ask her. They wanted permission for a soda with the pizza. And Mom said it was okay if he had a small Sprite and only one. And then when they hung up, Grandma explained how important it is to actually check in with Mom and Dad. She explained that they need to get permission to do things that Mom and Dad don't usually allow. And that for her to let him have soda in the past and keep it a secret was wrong. She reminded him that keeping secrets from Mom and Dad was not okay. And that she's the one that had to make that correction. Now, that's the kind of action it's important to take when we see ourselves acting in a way that's risky. And as we learn these behaviors, we may well see ourselves in them. Remember I told you last week, these potentially risky behaviors have a line beyond which predators go. But early in the process, they're typical behaviors that we might engage with in certain situations with young people in our lives. These are potentially risky behaviors that need to be interrupted, however, regardless of the intent. It's about conditioning and protecting children from others with a different intention. So it's important for us to look around and think about the kinds of things that we might not allow our children to do that a potentially risky adult might allow them to do. And then to talk to our children about how important it is to tell you when something happens that they know is not right. You know, one of the things I think it's important to tell children is that when an adult offers to let them do something that they know their parents won't approve of. It's okay to tell us, even if they did it, because they won't get in trouble for doing it. Who will get in trouble for that? It's the adult who encouraged them. You know, years ago, uh, when my son was about mm, four or five years old, five, six years old, he was going to day camp at the Y. Um. And there was a bus that picked up all the kids in our neighborhood and took them to day camp. And, oh, several days in, he came in from day camp one afternoon. And I was in the kitchen cleaning and preparing for dinner. And he walked to the kitchen and, you know, strutted into the kitchen more like it and propped his hands on his hips, looked at me and let go with a string of 
scatological language, curse words. And I was stunned, but I did have a really good moment when I said the right thing. You know, sometimes that just happens. We actually say the right thing. And I turned to him and I said, wow, what was that? And his response was a very saucy, I can say whatever I want. And my response to that was, you certainly can, but I don't have to have it in my house and I don't have to listen to it. So if you want to say those words, you'll have to go out on the back porch and shut the door. Well, he was immediately deflated. That was not going to work because this only worked if you could make mom uncomfortable, if you could zing mom, you know? So he stopped saying it. He went on to play and do whatever he did before dinner. And at dinner, as we were uh, finishing dinner, I just casually said to him, um, you know, I know you don't hear those words around here. So where did you learn those words you said today? And he, casually eating his dinner, because he wasn't in trouble, said, the bus driver taught him to me. So uh, we reinforced the message that it's not okay to speak that way in our home. And the next day, my husband and I had a conversation with the Y and the bus driver. One more thing. Even to this day, my son does not typically use that kind of language. He learned a lesson that day because of the way I had the good grace to handle it. I'm grateful that the right words came out at the right time. It's important that we let our kids know that when something happens that they know we wouldn't approve of, it's okay to tell us what happened, that they won't get in trouble for doing it if it was someone else that encouraged them or someone else that trapped them into doing it. Another thing for us all to remember is that people need to be reminded of things that don't come naturally. You know, you don't have to remind someone to duck if somebody swings at you. You don't have to remind someone to watch out when getting out of a car so you don't close the door on your hand. It doesn't always work, and sometimes we do get hurt, but we instinctively know to avoid those situations or protect ourselves. In fact, we have to teach ourselves to turn into a skid when we hit ice driving in our car because our instincts tell us to get out by turning away. We instinctively know those moments are risky and our brain clicks in and it actually takes over. People often say they don't even know how they did what they did in the moment. It's not a planned response. It was instinctive. Well, when it comes to what kids know about what parents allow, they know what it is. They know the consequences of doing it. That doesn't stop them from wanting it. And predators know that and they use that. So as responsible adults, when we're laying down the rules about what's allowed and not allowed, we have to keep reminding them that they won't be in trouble for telling us when someone else encourages or even allows them to break the rules.
They won't be in trouble for eating the chocolate candy that another adult told them was okay to eat, even if it's not allowed at home. And particularly if that adult tells them, just don't tell. It'll be our little secret. You know, we can do a lot to thwart the intentions and actions of potential predators when they're with our children and we're not around by encouraging our children to tell us even when they did something they know is wrong or that we would not allow. Keep the lines of communication open as much as possible. And remember, they are children and young people. Their brains are not developed. They don't have conceptual thinking. They don't have any gray areas. They want what they want when they want it. They are sure they know what's best for them in the moment, especially, especially teenagers. They do not see anything wrong with what they want or when they want it. And they do not understand why we have a different opinion. Think about it. They think we are too strict. How many times have you heard, I never get to do what I want? When they get older, they're sure we don't understand what it's like to be their age or to deal with peer pressure. Or want to be liked and to be one of the in crowd. No matter what age they are, they think they're old enough to make decisions for themselves. Three-year-olds think they're old enough to choose their own clothes. And they're convinced their decisions are wise and responsible. And they also know they're going to get in trouble for not following our rules. So they're inclined to hide those transgressions. And that, folks, is an easy door for a predator to walk through. Keeping secrets is the friend of child molesters. Keeping secrets drives wedges between children and parents at every single age. We know that they often go along with a risky adult because that person is agreeing with them. And they're agreeing with them that the parents are wrong to disapprove. We know that that risky adult is telling them to keep it secret. I mean, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. We all love to be agreed with. But the difference is that we're not usually sucked into a dangerous relationship as a result of that agreement. For predators, agreeing and then convincing the child not to tell the parents what happened is an essential, critical, absolutely necessary part of the grooming process. Kids need boundaries. They need rules. They need to know how to protect themselves. And they need to learn to be discriminating in what they do and with whom. It's our job to teach them all these things. It's also our job in the process to let them know that if someone else encourages them to ignore the rules or to do something they know they're not supposed to do, it's okay to tell us what happened. They won't be in trouble, even if they went along with it. And they might do that to protect themselves.
They won't be in trouble if they tell you what happened. It's so important for all of us to listen carefully to our children, to listen to the words they say, and to listen to what's in the background. It's also important to pay close attention to how they're acting and notice if something changes. In later episodes, we're actually going to talk about how to recognize the behaviors in your children that indicate they might be at risk. May the adult who tells them they don't have to follow those rules at their house or tells them they don't think the rules are responsible or something they should have to follow, maybe that person is just thoughtless or irresponsible. However, maybe that person is grooming the child for something more sinister in the future. Either way, it's important to intervene and to put a stop to it as soon as you become aware of it. The best way to know what's happening when your children are with other adults is to listen to them, to ask open-ended questions, encourage discussions about what they do when they are with friends, and let them know you're interested in what's happening in their life and what matters to them. Most important, though, is to listen. And, you know, I'd like you to consider that for the most part, we're not good at that at all. We're really good at talking to our children. We're really good at laying down the rules. We're really good at letting them know when we want something or when they've done something wrong. But for the most part, once they get to about seven or eight years old, listening is left out of the equation. Sometimes I think about that uh, when I see young children and I remember how fun it is to share with people the first words our children say, or when a young child, three, four, five years old, says something really, really cute. But then they get to be about seven or eight years old, and we simply want them to start listening. And we don't listen to them much. We listen more to our own speaking, or we listen to that little voice in our head that's telling us what we're going to say next. One of my favorite quotes about communion. Uh, communication is from Oscar Wilde, um, who once said, the greatest illusion in communication is that it has been accomplished. See, communication requires listening and speaking. And with our children, if we trust and love them as we say we do, listening is critical. Listening and reminding them ad nauseum that they can tell us anything will pay off in the long run. And it'll be a major contributing factor to protecting your child from a sexual predator. Wow, that's a lot for today. You know, I'd love to hear from you. What are you learning? What are you discovering? What questions do you have? What are you confused about? How can I support you in becoming proficient at creating these safe environments that make it impossible for a predator to gain access to children? Let's continue to work toward a world where no child ever has to even know about the risk of child sexual abuse because it's been eliminated. This is Sharon Doty inviting you to join with me to keep them safe from those who would take away their childhood.
As you know, keeping them safe is committed to shifting paradigms and providing us with the tools to prevent child sexual abuse and create environments where all children, children of all ages, are safe. Now, I look forward to being with you next time when we're going to do something a bit different. There are others who are trained to present our program and have had the opportunity to bring it to a variety of communities in their presentations. One of those is Erica Frazier. Erica is a child psychologist with the Oklahoma State Health Department Child Guidance Center. And she's going to join us to talk about how she sees this effort to shift the prevention paradigm can make a real difference in the lives of children and the real power she sees that it gives parents and other responsible adults to be the change that is needed. Thanks again for joining us today. I look forward to seeing you again next time.